Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, many mythologies and philosophies of the ancient world held that time is cyclical. That means that things turn round and round, always returning to the same place. A bit like the revolutions of the planets and the stars. Endless repetition. Nothing really new. Same old, same old. This view, by the way, is re-embraced in modern times by the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, who spoke of the eternal return of the same. So that's an old view that history just kind of repeats itself. It goes round and round. Well, many people today would say that time is essentially meaningless. In other words, things just come and go without any discernible rhyme or reason or purpose. What we consider good and bad, well, they're just more or less relative terms. And therefore, it's pointless to say that either is really carrying the day, like history is moving toward this, or it's getting better, or it's getting worse. No, history is just one thing after another. You know, that's more of a, I'd say, a, a contemporary or postmodern view of history. To both of these finely despairing ideas, we have to contrast the biblical notion that history, time, is purposive. It's heading somewhere under the direction of a guiding spirit. Now, this means something relatedly, namely that time is filled with rhymes and echoes, meaningful hints and trajectories. See what I mean? History is not just one thing after another, but it's a kind of story or a narrative being told by a great author. Now, anybody who's sensitive to literary text knows what I'm talking about. How a great author, let's say of a novel, loves to rhyme, loves to include kind of rhythms and repetitions and trajectories in his story, right? So that you might get an anticipation early on of what's going to happen at the end. There's a, there's a hint of what will happen later. Or that one character's development echoes that of another, etc. Well, see, the Bible's convinced that time or history is like that. It's like a story told by an author. Now, you're wondering why I'm mentioning all this. Well, I'm doing it because our Advent season today, this fourth Sunday of Advent, comes to a climax. And see, central to this season is the conviction that all of time and history comes to a kind of fulfillment in the Messiah. All of the strands of history are gathered together in him. 
to use that wonderful language of St. Paul, you find it in Ephesians. It was picked up by St. Irenaeus, one of my theological heroes. Paul says that all of space and time is recapitulated in Jesus. Lovely word, caput in Latin means head, right? To recapitulate is to bring all things under the same head. All of it's gathered together in him. Now, all three of the readings for today make this point. So listen first to our passage from the seventh chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah. That's our first reading. The Lord is speaking to Ahaz, who is a young king of Israel in the line of David, who's come to a particularly challenging time in his reign. The Lord invites the king to dream big and to ask for a sign. Here's what the Lord says. Let it, the sign, be deep as the nether world or high as the sky. In other words, ask for anything you want from me. But here's the fulcrum. Here's the key point, everybody. Ahaz has lost faith in the Lord. And instead is relying on earthly powers to get him out of his troubles. So he demurs, but in a kind of falsely pious way. He says, I will not ask. I will not tempt the Lord. Well, again, it sounds pious. It really isn't. It's the words of someone who's lost faith. It makes him, I think, like a lot of people today who just refuse to believe that God is in charge and who consequently refuse to dream. Hey, hey, I'm not even going to ask that my life has a purpose. I'm not going to even ask that there's some meaning. I'm not going to ask the Lord for a sign. What do you mean? It's all just one thing after another. Now, in the face of Ahaz's uh, reluctance, God does him one better. Therefore, I'm quoting now, therefore the Lord himself will give you this sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. What's the point here, everybody? What's the point? The point is we might give up on God, but God never gives up on us. We might think there's no meaning, no purpose to any of this, but God keeps telling us, yes, there is. Now, to grasp the meaning of this sign that the Lord himself says, I'm going to give you, we have to go back now well before the time of Isaiah and Ahaz to the reign of King David himself. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promised David that he would put a descendant of his on a throne that would last forever. It's, it's, everybody, one of the most pivotal texts in the whole Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 7, look it up. Because up and down the centuries, even when things seemed darkest and most hopeless, Israel never, fought, never quite forgot this promise. And it's precisely this promise that is reiterated to Ahaz. Don't give up on the Lord. The Lord has promised he will put a descendant on David, of David on the throne forever. In your bleakest times, don't give up. In your darkest moments, don't think history has no purpose. God never gives up on us. Okay? Now, 
Flash forward about 700 years from the time of Isaiah and Ahaz. Remember, I told you, history rhymes. Flash forward 700 years. And consider the extraordinary conversation reported in our gospel for today. Listen. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. Notice, please, he calls Joseph son of David. So anybody with a Hebrew imagination, anyone that is convinced that history rhymes, the ears perk up, Joseph son of David, God says, I'll put a a descendant of David on a throne that will last forever. And see, St. Matthew now reminds us precisely what the Lord had said to Ahaz seven centuries before. Because we hear the child to be born to Mary is the son promised long ago to David and to Ahaz, the one who would reign on the throne of David forever. He is the long-awaited Messiah, Mashiach in the Hebrew, the anointed one. Who was the original Mashiach but David, who was anointed by Samuel? This baby to come is the long-awaited Mashiach who would draw all of history and time together in himself. This child will be the magnetic point toward which all things have from the beginning of time been tending. You see, by the way, why it's so desperately inadequate to refer to Jesus simply as a teacher or a moral exemplar. He is that, of course. But his significance is so much greater than that. He's of cosmic significance. He's the one in whom all things are recapitulated. Okay, I said all three readings are on our theme for today. I'm not going to let you down, because now in light of reading one and the gospel, we can look at our magnificent second reading, which is the very beginning. It's the introduction of Paul's letter to the little Christian church in Rome. So, I mean, we'll hear today Paul's letter to the Romans. It sounds you know, very canonical, which indeed it is. But go back to that time. It's a church that Paul didn't found, but this little Christian community in Rome. And he writes to them a letter, which is probably read in someone's home. So imagine a, you know, a handful of people gathered in a, in a room. They're the first ones to have heard this letter. What does he say? His opening words are of utmost importance. Paul, he says, a slave of Christ Jesus. Isn't that terrific? The apostle identifies himself as the slave of the true king. Jesus, whom he refers to by his Davidic title, Christos, in Paul's Greek, just the Greek rendering of Mashiach. So what he's saying is, look, here's who I am. I'm Paul. I'm a slave of the true Mashiach, the anointed one. The one promised to David, the one promised to Ahaz, the one in whom all of time and history comes together. 
And then he says this, through him, we've received the grace of apostleship. Just Paul's fancy way of saying that he's been sent by this true Davidic king on a mission. He's an emissary of the king. What's his job? Listen again to him. To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles. There it is. There's the whole program. In other words, Paul's mission from the king, of whom he's the slave, is to bring the whole world under the kingship of the Mashiach. Now, I've told you a couple times, history has a purpose, and history rhymes. Go from David to Ahaz to Joseph to Paul, and now, now, the final rhyme, us. Because we are all apostles in this same sense. All of us Christians identify ourselves the way Paul did. We're slaves of the true king. And we got the same mission Paul did. What Ahaz didn't even dream of asking for has come true. And we've got the privilege to tell the whole world about it. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.